Hello and welcome. You've tuned in to the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. James is very eloquent in his speech. He uses some ancient Greek terms, very eloquent Greek terms. And I have to tell you that I have really battled with this part of the message through this week. So I do not have any sermon notes because I was still working on it till late yesterday, coming up with some of these different things. But I think I said it last week or a week before. If you haven't studied, you'll tell. You can know it. I don't, I don't have to tell you. But I have studied. And so Lord willing, you're going to see some of those things. And I have to tell you, I'm ready for James to be done on the tongue. <laughs> because I've had to really look at myself. I've had to really examine. And sometimes my wife, thank God, she helps me especially when we're driving along. Sometimes my tongue just gets away from me. Sometimes my tongue, because somebody will just be driving along and do something stupid. Maybe in my mind it's stupid. What's the first thing that spews out of my mouth? And so I'm, I'm trying to be very transparent here. It's usually not blessings on those people. <laughs> it's usually not, oh, God, just care for you. And the word has really been working on me because I want to have that kind of speech. I want that to just be that which flows right out so that initially my first thought is when somebody pulls out and we had it happen again today, driving down and a fellow could have waited 10 seconds for about four or five cars, but he's in a big semi truck pulling a large trailer. There must be a sign on my vehicle, pull in front of me because I mean, he right in front and I did at least today say, all right, I remember my sermon. I remember what your word said, Lord. I said, we'll get there in time. We left early enough that, okay, we, we won't be early, but we're not going to be late. But I had to think about that the whole way, and I followed him all the way through Cherokee. All the, got on 99 and that, that big old truck, you know, just... So I see everybody kind of smiling. You've been there. You understand that kind of frustration. And what's the first thing then that comes out of our mouth? Well, that's what James is telling us. I want to begin in verse 5 of James chapter 3. We talked about verse 5 last week, the first half of that. We're going to deal with the second half of it through verse 12. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly and unruly evil, full of deadly poison. 
With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. We're going to stop right there. One of the things that I remember very, very vividly about my grandmother, she was an Irish woman, pretty stout. She used to say, when you look at her hands, she'd say, I can punch just like the biggest of men. And I looked at her and I thought, I think she could do that. But I remember my cousins, and she was staying at our cousin's house, but I remember one of my cousins close of age just spouting off all kinds of foul language. And grandma grabbed him by the nape of the neck and washed his mouth with soap. I don't know if it was what kind of soap it was. I don't quite remember. But I remember very well standing there watching. Look at what she's doing. That bar of soap went in his mouth and she's telling him, you'll never talk like that again, will you? We live in a day and age where maybe we need to have some people's mouths washed out with soap. It's funny because in the prison, men always were careful if there was a woman present not to use vulgar cursive language. And yet now I go to a restaurant and I'm thinking, what has happened? Why is it that in the prison men are careful when a woman was present not to use vulgar language? And nowadays it seems like it's everywhere. A man would never have used that kind of language. But in our family, bad words were dealt with pretty quickly. Now, I never got caught, thank God. <laughs> Especially, I did not get caught by Grandma. But it had such an effect. And if James were alive today, perhaps if he were speaking to us, he would emphasize ever so much in this time of history that people need to have their mouths washed, maybe spiritually. I'm sure that James would have been very exercised in this very thing. I was thinking about you, Brother Jackie, during the devotional, thinking about standing there at that great day when at that judgment seat. And you know what? You may know what you've done, but isn't it nice to know there's not going to be any tattletales, no gossip? Hey, did you hear what Brother Jackie did? Hey, did you see? None of that in heaven. Glory, wonderful, huh? There won't be anybody running around telling about, I never knew that about him. Did you know? In Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 to 37, Jesus talked about, we said that last week, that Jesus says that our speech reveals our heart by the way that you talk and our eternal destiny is set on that we looked at that last week we talked about how with a mouth confession is made with a heart man believes and the mouth confession is made so it's very important the tongue provides the evidence 
what your heart really is all about. It's very important. The new birth, salvation, that transformation, that sanctification, because we've become a new creation, it's part of our new being, and new speech is a part of that new person. The way that we talk, Christians talk differently than other people. It took a while as a young man, it took a while when I got into church to learn what some of the language was, how that Christians talk. We may not speak perfectly, but yet we, and our language is different, and it ought to be. The Apostle Paul told those at the church of Colossae, then if you have been raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And so you see, it's uh, something that happens within our mind. It's something that our, when our mind is right, our speech begins to get right. Our speech begins to come around. Now that you're a believer, you have a new heart, you have a new heart, you have a new behavior. So God has given us a new will, and now James is telling us God is going to do his part, you must do your part. That behavior involves speech. We must have a new behavior. The new speech. In fact, that's where Paul goes on in verse 16 of Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, do in word or a deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, the God of our Father. So our speech really is a dramatically, it's affected by the new nature. It's a very dramatic change. Our new mouth, our new tongue, our new speech, because of who we are. So the tongue is that litmus test. We talked about that last week that, and we've spoken about that. As a matter of fact, James has talked about the tongue. I'm getting a little tired of it. Is my speech always with grace, seasoned with salt? Is my speech that which would always be pleasing to the Lord? James, back in chapter 1, verse 26, said, If any man among you seem to be religious, or thinks himself to be religious, and, rep and presents himself as being religious, but does not bridle his tongue. He's deceiving his own heart. His religion is useless. That's the way NIV said it. So unless our new life is showing itself, true believers have a sanctified tongue. True Christians. And we are seeking to be transformed people. And that means we must have a sanctified tongue. We will have, because God is working in us, God is doing something through you and in you, but then we must have. So God's doing his part, but we have our responsibility as well. If you're truly new in Christ, we will have pure speech. And if you're truly new in Christ, we take responsibility for having pure speech. That's the biblical paradox that we see. You know, when we understand that paradox, when we understand our part and God's part, it helps us in understanding the whole mind of Christ. 
we really have to understand it kind of like this. We are saved by grace, and yet we must believe. We are kept secure by God in His sovereign decree and God's sovereign hand. We're held in His hand, yet we are called to persevere. We live in God's power. The Apostle Paul says, not I, but Christ living in me. So you see, we have God doing His work, and His work is complete, and He's building us, but yet we have a responsibility. And that's what James talks about. He speaks about the tongue. He speaks about the truth that the tongue will reveal the heart's real condition. And at the same time, he calls us to do everything that we can to see that is a fact, to see that that's being done in our lives. Does that make sense? We understand that paradox that God's doing it and he's working, but yet he expects us to do our part. He expects us to go forward. So what God says will be true of us, must be true of us, but God will take care, and we have to submit to His will and His power. That's where we come into James. Remember we talked last week about the five compelling reasons. First was that there was a compelling potential that Verse 1 and 2, that it could condemn. And that's why we want to be careful about being a teacher, because someone who teaches God's Word is held to a greater standard. We need more excellent teachers. We need more excellent churches that are going to speak the Word of God. And that's one of the things that James was talking about. We need more of those who will apply themselves and study and be into the Word of God. And secondly, we see from verse 2 that it was the power of the tongue that controlled our life. And when we can learn to control it, we can learn to control the other parts of our life. And he talked about the great ships and the horse and the bridle and all of those. So a mature believer, if he walks in Christ's likeness in all human possibility, in all those areas, is going to control his tongue. But now we get into verse 5 and 6. Verse 5, I want to start in verse 5b. <laughs> that has where the new sentence begins in verse 5. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The wording is a little odd. The tongue is very dangerous. He's simply saying that the tongue has to be controlled. He didn't say that it's bad. He didn't say that it's good. He just said that the tongue is a controlling member and it dominates a person and it's a key to the behavior. It has to be brought into the power. It's got to be controlled. And he has to show that the tongue to be controlled, it's a dangerous thing. We've got to control the tongue because it's a danger. The power of the tongue, it's not always good. <laughs> the power of the tongue, and often, very often, is bad. And a definite negative tone here in James' writing, he takes on a very negative aspect. Did you see that when we read that? Even though the tongue is small, it boasts great things. So there's the beginning of that negative. Then he says, behold... And that's in the Greek. Here's clearly a break. Behold how great a matter, or a, a little fire kindles. That's the way the authorized says, behold how great, or look at this, see this. That's great explanation of the danger of the tongue. It has a 
great destructive tendency and actually how great a forest a set aflame by such a small fire. That's literally what it says. What sized forest, what sized fire kindles, literally is the, is the exact translation. What sized forest, what sized fire kindles. The contrast is really staggering, isn't it? I had to take some fire science years ago, and fire science is an amazing thing because fire will usually act in the same way under certain circumstances. Fire always, you can always tell where a fire starts. You can always tell because of the nature of fire, you can tell where it begins and you can tell how it spread. That's how these uh, arson investigators, these firemen, you know, they can go in and they can say, oh, huh, it was uh, a faulty electrical or you had a gas emission or something like that. You can always tell where it starts. That's what James is saying here. You, we can come back and we can tell where this forest fire begins. Sometimes it might begin with a little cigarette being tossed out the window. I remember, maybe some of you that are older, remember some of the uh, old commercials where somebody has just tossed out the cigarette and burns a great forest fire. Or you can take a tiny match and set a whole city to burning thousands of acres can go up. And so fire has an amazing capability. Water doesn't have that same capability. I cannot take a cup of water and pour it out and get a flood, but I can take a match and it will just spread. It will just grow forward. So the tongue isn't like water, but it's like fire. And what it says is it sets a whole forest ablazing. And the imagery is so vivid here that James is telling us is because in a dry land like Palestine, and I kind of liken it much to what we know here in California, a little fire that would have gotten out of hand could have just easily burned through all of the dry brush that was there. The little spark flying off a fire in a cold evening and touched the dry ground and that in that dry season it would set ablaze thousands and thousands of acres. We are well aware of that here. So we know something about that. You know, in Psalm 83 it says, Oh my God, make them like a wheel, like a stubble before the wind, as the fire burns a forest, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. The psalmist kind of alludes to the fact that a small fire can set a whole mountain ablaze. Well, that's really the truism, isn't it? That's what we call kind of an axiom. You remember the old story? What was it back in uh, 1871? It was an old Mrs. Leary's cow that burned up the whole city, right? Or 17,500 buildings were destroyed. 300 people were burned to death. 125,000 people became homeless. And in 1871, the estimated damage was $400 million. Now, can you imagine? One spark. You know, it was in 1903 in Korea that a pan of rice boiled over on a charcoal fire stove in a small home. And 3,000 buildings were destroyed, totally burned to the ground within a qu one square mile area, 3,000 homes. 
destroyed. Now that illustrates the power of fire. I think you understand that. And what James says in verse 5, behold, really he's saying, wow, look at this. How great of a little flame continue. And then in verse 6, he makes, makes the point, and the tongue is a fire. Isn't that what he says? And the tongue is a fire. So now he's saying, watch out, because the, this is, can, can take very far away. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the mouth of the wicked pours out wicked, evil things. You see, it sees the mouth as the wicked of the flame. It says, an ungodly man digs up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Everything that fiery mouth touches, it sets on fire, and the fire spreads. Proverbs 26, 20 says, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. When all of that, when we can control the tongue, you see, it's being pictured here as burning coals. Proverbs says that in Proverbs verse 21, but as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The word here, kindle, means to burn up. So that's the idea of gossip, of slander, contention that the fire begins to come in and devastate. Now, in prison, sometimes men used to break the little safety razors, and they would put that razor in their mouth. They would hold that, hide it, and it was used as a weapon, of course. You could talk to somebody, they could hold it there, but if they got into a confrontation, that razor blade came out, and, and you better watch out. I mean, it may be a small blade, but it could do great damage. And I think that's what he's saying here about the tongue, is sometimes the tongue can be a sharp razor. That's what he says in Psalm 52, too. It says that it's a sharp razor. In verse 3 also, Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place. He's using it like a razor, and he speaks of that as the, that sharp razor that comes forth from our tongue. So it's not only that of a fire, but it can cut and it can damage. In Psalm 57, 4, the psalmist says, My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. Job 19 verse 2, Job says, How long will you crush me with your words? You see all the vivid imagery the Word of God has about the tongue? That it can crush us with words. It can be a razor. It could be a, a sword. It can be a fire. It's spread. And so the tongue and the power to start a rumor, to spread a, a malignant lie that's evil in its intent, it's a wildfire that can't be stopped. It's a shame that in our associated work today, many pastors don't fellowship with one another because of rumors, because of what they've heard, because of gossip. It's a shame that they just kind of withdrawn. So men that maybe once knew one another well, because I heard, well, he's kind of gone this way or that way. Satan loves that. Satan just loves this, what's happening. So churches and pastors just kind of drift off. They don't really have much to do with others. 
it's easier for Satan to get in and begin to destroy that. Pastors don't know one another. They don't trust one another any longer. What a sad shape. In my own life, my terrible sin, people have said all kinds of things about me. I open the door. I, I, I just open things up. In our, in our work, someone wrote in a history all kinds of untrue things. What's happened? Well, somebody said, well, see, hey, did you hear about Brother Paul? You know, this, that, did you hear that? So now I go to one of our meetings or I go to a funeral or I go somewhere and there's, there's, there's that guy. He's back. There's, there he is. It's hard. Do you see who's here? My old pastor, Brother Patterson, used to say, you can't stop people from saying things about you, but when they see the quality of your life, then they'll decide if those things are so. I thought that was wise and good understanding. People can say anything. That's why we need to pray that God protects you from the evil of people's tongues. People who will slander, for the tongue is a fire. It's a devastating thing. The tongue has to be kept under control. I found a, a sports writer that actually wrote this. He says, I am more deadly than the screaming shell from a howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is gossip. You see, gossip is a flaming fire. Proverbs 10:19 says, "He who restrains his lips is wise." Don't be fuel for anybody's fire. Don't be the wood, don't be the coal to keep that fire going. We taught our children very long ago to watch out what you hear on the media because nowadays it seems like there may be some truth, but you have to wonder how much truth or how, how it's slanted. And so we have to ask ourselves and look at all of those things. Is there some goal? Are they trying to put forth some agenda or are they just telling the truth? So we have to be very, very careful what we take in. Verse 6 again, he says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. This is one of the strongest statements ever on the danger of the mouth. In fact, that statement is so strong, I'm not sure that I, I really know how to bring it across. It's from some Greek classics and philosophy. So James has shown himself as being very highly educated. He knows Jewish tradition and he knows Greek literature. But I, I pray maybe the Lord through the Holy Spirit will help you see what he's saying here because this is a very powerful statement on the danger of the tongue. And I think that's one of the most powerful statements that was ever made. It says the tongue is a fire and then a world or a system. The word is cosmos of iniquity. It's a cosmos of iniquity. Usually, and, and really here, he's given four different elements. He says, so the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course or the wheels of nature and is set on fire of hell. 
in this four parts. Look at the system of iniquity. The cosmos. Cosmos is usually translated as world, but it's world not in the sense of what we usually think of this earth. It's world here in a system that's unrighteous, hostile, that's rebelling. It's a rebelling of the humanness. It's rebelling in all of that aspect. It's the whole potential evil that falls short of God's standard. And it's the focal point of this unrighteous behavior that's within man. And it inflames all of our capabilities in an effort to really bring that whole person into that wicked system. That's what he's kind of trying to bring us into understanding. One commentator said, it is the microcosm of evil within our members. I thought that said it pretty well. The tongue can be vile, wretched, wicked, a wicked system in its fleshly humanist. No other part of the body is so far reaching to bring the disaster as the tongue. And first of all, in itself or by itself, we see a system of iniquity. It's a network that breeds evil. Secondly, secondly, notice how he expands on that thought. The tongue is set among our members as it defiles the entire body. So it's in itself, it's a system of evil, and then it defiles the whole body. It's like smoke from a fire. Have you ever been around a fire or some stain, the smoke that stains everything, everything that doesn't burn at least? Now, my parents, when they sold their house here in Stockton, my parents were both smokers. My mom always had a Kent cigarette, my dad his pipe. And they lived in this home for many, many years. And I was amazed dad died and mom sold the house. She began to take the pictures off the wall and began to see that wasn't painted yellow. You could see the white behind the picture, but all the stain from the smoke from years and years was there. And that's kind of what James is giving us here. That's kind of what he's talking about here. That, or, or maybe you've heard about a fire sale where something that didn't get burned up, they were going to sell some clothing or something, but it kind of smelled like, you know, I, I tell you, I had a celly that was a very poor man and he used to go around and pick up cigarette butts. Now, these cigarette butts didn't have, you know, the filter, not like what we, these were hand-rolled cigarettes. And then he would re-roll them, and boy, did it smell. If you thought cigarette smell was bad, re-roll is really bad. And he'd sit on that bunk underneath me, and, and I stunk. Everything about it stunk. <laughs> It just gets all over you. And that's what James is saying here about the stain of this. It stains, it's putrefying, it, it's infiltrating. And you have right in your body, behind your teeth, walled in by your mouth, a system of iniquity that just wants to run off. And we've heard it many times. It wants to stain the whole person with the foul smoke, if not in the flames, the foul smoke of its evil intent. James says that it's set right among our members. It's placed among our members and our bodily parts. That is to say that it's included in all of our basic human capacities. The tongue stains it all. He uses the word defiles, a very vivid word. It 
It's used in Jude 23, talks about others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments that are spotted or defiled by the flesh. So something that has been spotted, stained, made gross, evil, wretched, a filthy tongue results in a filthy person. A filthy tongue stains the whole person. The whole of iniquity is loose, is there in the tongue. So next we go on and we see that it sets on fire the whole course of nature. Isn't that what he says? The fire, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So here's the next, the third part, that fire that is set in the course of nature. A better translation, I think, is because it's in the present tense, it is setting on fire the circle of life. The circle of life, every part of life, every aspect. What does that mean? Because James is expanding the thought here. First, there's a system of wickedness. And second, the stain that's on that person. And now the whole machinery of your life. And not only stains you, but it touches everything that you touch. It affects the whole machinery of your life. It goes beyond the body to touch every participant in that circle of life. People know how you talk. The tongue reaches beyond the mouth to stay in your body. It reaches beyond your body to attach, attack others. Gossip, that repulsive thing, rumors, slander, false accusation, lies, evil speech, can stain, it can pollute, it can destroy a whole family, it can destroy a whole group of people, it can destroy a school, it can destroy a church, it can, can destroy a community. I know of a church where something was done and the slander and the gossip in the community, they ought to just sell that building and move to another location so they could kind of get away from the stain of the gossip. Well, then he speaks of the fourth factor. It's the most devastating statement on the danger of the tongue. And he says, and finally, the verse, end of verse 6, it is set on fire or by hell. In the present tense, it is habitually lit, as it were, by hell. What a vivid thought that it's always being promoted by hell. Now, here the word hell is the word Gehenna. Gehenna is used in the New Testament Gospels. Jesus used that term. Every time he used the term hell, he said Gehenna. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they use the term Gehenna. The Lord used it at least 10 times. It's always used in the Gospels to refer to an eternal place of burning where damned souls will go. And you can read that in Matthew and Luke times how Jesus used it, but it's a place where the fire never goes out, where the worm never dies, where the thirst is never quenched. It's an eternally burning place. But what does the word Gehenna mean? Well, it's translated hell, but it simply could mean it is set on fire by Gehenna. And Gehenna was an actual place, kind of southwest of Jerusalem. If you remember in 2 Kings chapter 23, there was a young man by the name of King Josiah. And literally in the Hebrew, it is Valley of Hinnom. In the Greek translation, it's Gehenna. 
Josiah brought about a great revival among the people. But one of the first things that he did was he destroyed idolatry from the land. He got it pushed out. But one of the forms of idolatry were the worshipers of Molech. And there was this great bull statue, big bronze statue, with the arms that were out. And literally this was a place where they would bring their children, place them in the burning arms because that's where the burn pit was in the arms of the statue and they would place their children and burn them as a sacrifice, a human sacrifice to Molech. Well, Josiah, when he became king, he stopped all of that and he put that away. And then the valley of Hinnom, Gehenna, became a burning stench where all of the trash would be thrown because it was a deep valley and they would continue to throw their trash there. The death of criminals, the bodies of criminals or somebody who couldn't be buried, they would be thrown into that fire of Gehenna, into the valley of Hinnom. And so Gehenna became a very fitting symbol for that ever-burning fire, that crawling a place where worms crawled and illustrate the future of the ungodly. He uses that in such, and only in that hell, Jesus said, the fire never consumes. And finally, in like manner, hell then, that eternal rubbish heap, Notice then the tongue is a system of evil all of its own. It affects the whole person by spewing out its filth and it sets the filthy stain on fire and the whole machinery of life as such. It's far reaching. In other words, behind all of this is Satan. Behind this evil language. Well, we're going to have to pick up. I have lots more, but I want us to just conclude with some couple of thoughts. Because the tongue is not always evil. The tongue can be used as a blessing of God. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost what happened? The church of Jerusalem was there and over their heads was a cloven tongue of fire. And everywhere they went forth speaking the wonderful works of God. I want us to recognize, and I wasn't able to quite get to that part, but I think that that's something that we need to recognize is that the tongue can also be a fountain of blessings. You know, the Jews used three times a day. They had to say the Shema, and they always said, blessed be God, blessed be God. We remember how the Pharisees on one side said, blessed be God, and turned around and said, Jesus was full of demons. And as you brought out, they killed John the Baptist by their lies. They killed Jesus saying he was a friend of drunkards, sinners, and they murdered our Lord Jesus. Gossip can do terrible things as it's moved by the power of hell. But when our tongues controlled by the Spirit of God, when our tongues are controlled by the Spirit of God, and that's really where I, I want us to come, because from a clean heart, from a heart of rejoicing from a heart that has been transformed from a heart that's been made new the tongue is that which we praise God the tongue is that which we give God great blessings the tongue then is where we say to that guy that pulls out in front of you God bless you you must be in a hurry I'm gonna let you go <laughs> 
and we get our tongue in line with what the Spirit of God would have us to do. We get that tongue and we bring it into control. We bring it into that place where the Holy Spirit is leading us and we're speaking to ourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs so that we get our minds right. You see, the tongue isn't that which is evil. It's representing the heart. And that's when we put on the mind of Christ. When we are thinking about the wonderful truths of God's Word, it begins to come forth. And speaking the blessings of God, the wonderful works of God, the wonderful power of God, God working in your life and my life to His honor and glory. If you do not know Jesus Christ personally as Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. There is a terrible place called Gehenna Hell that is a real place. Jesus spoke of it. And oh, we don't want you to go. We want to share the love of Christ so that today you have eternal life. We invite you to come. Contact us. But we want everyone to be right with God and to walk forward in that power that only God's Holy Spirit can do and work in us and through us. We've looked at all the negative side of the tongue, but I want us to see of the power of God because the power of man cannot control the tongue, but the power of God can. And he does much more and much greater than what we could ever imagine or think. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the message. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions, or perhaps you have questions of a different topic, let us know. Our information is given on the website, or you can reach us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Tombstone said he is risen just as he said.